Welcome to Dream Chasers Radio, where we are always daring to be different. Get ready, get ready, get ready to be inspired. Let's get moving toward our goals. And here to make that happen is our host, Yaya Diamond. I want to thank you for tuning in to Dream Chasers Radio. I am your host, Yaya Diamond, and you're listening to us on 97.5 FM, Real Community Radio in Northport, Florida, as well as on Bomb Baby Radio, the Caribbean, and all of the world, really, on the Dream Chasers Radio Network. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can reach us at dreamchasersradio.com. I want to thank you so much for just, wow, this show here, this is one of the touchy shows that I've done that really make this show worthwhile. And uh, we're going to go ahead and air this show. And I want to thank, definitely thank Earl Van for calling in and making my day, making my year. Because people like Earl are why this show is so good. It's so inspirational and eye-opening. Here we go. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, my name is Earl Van. Um, I am a recovering heroin addict, and uh, what I'm doing is uh, just started a nonprofit called Hope on Deck, and pretty much I'm traveling the country. I'm actually leaving September 10th, and I'm going to be driving from my home state of Delaware um, across the country and doing outreach where I go out with the homeless. Um, I've been gathering donations for about eight months now, so I have a shed that's completely full of hygiene items, clothes, blankets, tents, all that kind of stuff. And I pretty much go down into homeless communities and just kind of hand the stuff out. And, you know, if anybody down there is struggling with addiction, we talk with them. If it's mental health, we see what we can help them with. And then uh, also just getting into doing some motivational speaking, speaking at some colleges, high schools and youth centers. And then I'm also an endorsed interventionist. So I do... Um, I do interventions around the country and, and actually the way we do it is with a uh, church in New Jersey donated a cargo van. So we used the cargo van to travel around. So it's been a really neat thing that we started. My gosh, you know, my gosh, I want to, first of all, congratulate you for getting off of heroin. Thank you. When, okay. How did you do it? A lot of people want to get off, but mm-hmm. they don't, they don't know how. And they don't know what they're going to expect. And a lot of people just don't have the means or the, the desire or even the strength. How did you get all of that? Uh, well, for me, what it was is that I, so I'm from the state of Delaware and I've only, I don't come from a very wealthy family. I've only ever had state insurance. And um, so I was used to going to state facilities, which only hold you five to 10 days. And when you're coming off of a drug like heroin, it takes a lot more than five to 10 days to get you know, your mind clear. Uh, so this time around, I got very lucky by the grace of God, somebody offered me a scholarship to go to Florida for three months to like a really nice treatment center. Um, I had a lot of abuse growing up and stuff like that. So they had trauma therapy. They had, uh, I got my cognitive behavioral therapy certification while I was in treatment. Mm. And it kind of introduced me to helping people. And once I started helping people, uh, I had been to treatment by 45, 50 times in my life. I was really struggling for a long time. And Finally, I got like some really good help for a sub- substantial amount of time. And a lot of it, man, I just prayed, to be honest with you. I, I uh, 
the first five days in rehab, I laid on the shower floor and cried. And, uh, and I just prayed because I was in so much pain emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. I had absolutely nothing left. And I just prayed and prayed and prayed to like, please help me get off this stuff. And uh, when I came home and I just dove right into it, like the day I got home from treatment, I got off the airplane in Philadelphia and I went straight to an event and I signed up to start like just doing uh, like talking to kids about addiction. And I've been going at it ever since. And that's kind of what saved me was doing that. Mm. Wow. Wow. What an amazing story. What I mean, you, you say that you've been in and out so many times this last time. Why are you still out today? I, I truly believe that it's because of helping people. Um, it kind of, as a, as a drug addict, I've always kind of been trying to fill a void. And once I started to help other people, it kind of filled that void. It kind of made me feel whole. And uh, once that happened, I didn't really have a need for drugs anymore because I was only using them to fill that void. And then once I found something else to fill it, I had no need for them anymore. Um, and I also believe that, you know, really truly believing in something greater than myself and some sort of higher power really helped me kind of accept life and, and, and just, you know, accept what had happened to me growing up and accept everything like that and just kind of, you know, go on to the next thing in life. And, and another thing, too, was that when I first got sober, fentanyl, which I don't know if you've ever heard of, but it's something that they're putting in drugs now and it's killing everybody. Mm. Uh, that had just started coming out and my uncle had just died. Uh. My uncle was like my dad growing up. He had just died. A couple of my friends had just died. And I, and I just, I, I knew it was going to kill me if I didn't stop. And, uh, that's, I, you know, I, I had buried enough people. I didn't want to be one of them. So. Mm. Mm. You have an inspiring and amazing story coming off of something like that so traumatic now going back into the community to help others what do you i mean what what kind of what kind of a life are you leading now in comparison to the life you led then um well going down in the communities it, it's kind of weird because some of the community i travel the entire country but when i do them around my area i used to frequent them communities when i was in addiction um, so when I used to be down there, it was because I was getting high and now I go down there and it's, you know, complete 180. But, um, you know, when I was getting high, like I, I lied, I, I stole, um, I wasn't trustworthy. I, I wasn't, I didn't show up when people needed me. And I think the biggest thing I have now is just like my trust back. It's so nice to have, you know, your family trust you. I have a key to my mom's house. I have the key to my dad's house. I have the key to my own house. Um, I'm the CEO of a nonprofit. Uh, so compared to what I was then and what I'm doing now, um, it's like the most freeing thing that you can imagine. I always kind of describe it to people as having uh, almost like a blind man with chains wrapped around him, getting all the chains cut off and getting new eyes. It's like you can see everything for the first time. It's it's just beautiful. And, and when you live in hell for so long, when you come out of it, it's like you could imagine freedom. Mm, mm, mm. Now, heroin. Let's talk about it. A lot of people are lost to heroin. It's one of the biggest epidemics that are going on in this country today. What do you face when you go out on the road? What are some of the challenges that you have when you meet people, not even, actually not even necessarily on heroin, but any drug? Well, one of the biggest things 
with heroin specifically is the fentanyl. Um, so I've had the Narcan, a lot of people, which Narcan is kind of a, uh, it's a medicine that reverses the effects of opiates. So if somebody's overdosing, if you give them Narcan, they come right back. Um, I run into that often where I have, you know, one day I had to Narcan two people within 10 minutes down in Philadelphia. Mm. Um, when I'm in, when I'm on the West coast, California, uh, I just got back from Hawaii. I did a big thing out in Hawaii and, uh, the methamphetamine is really bad out there. Uh, they are very erratic. Um, don't really know what's going on around them. They're, they're talking to people who aren't there. They're, they're running around screaming. Um, so it, it's, uh, it, it's very intense at, at times. It's, you know, it, but one thing I do see is when I go down there is that um, most of them are very good people. Um, mm. I've met business owners down there. I've met, um, you know, I met one guy who owned a big, huge construction company in georgia uh he he had like i think nine work trucks he was making 400 some thousand dollars a year he still had a phone and he was showing me pictures of his wife and his house it was all beautiful uh he broke his leg got prescribed to um painkillers and then when they went away he got on heroin and now he's living under a bridge panhandling for 30 bucks a day Um, so there's a a wide range of things that i see it's it's very intense a lot of uh, mental health uh, a lot of veterans um, I've seen them all. I've seen them living under bridges at 15 years old. I've seen them living under bridges at 80 years old. It's, it's everywhere and everything now. And how do you keep your sanity going into these neighborhoods? Do you see yourself in some of these people? For sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think it's almost a form of redemption for me. Uh, I, I've done so many bad things in my life and I've done, I've hurt my family so much in my active addiction. And I think for me, it's almost like a redemption. Um, everything I do and I live and breathe it. It's, it's literally, it's everything that I do. Um, and it does become a little bit overwhelming at times because the intake is so high and it, it's, you have to kind of have an outlet to get it back out because, you know, I talk to mothers who have lost a child that day. Um, I talk to people who tell you some of the saddest stories that you could even imagine, um, and, and thousands of them. So when it, it's a lot to take in, um, and when I first started doing it, I didn't realize that. Uh, so now I have some out, have some outlets that I kind of use to get it back out. You know what I mean? But for me, it's, it's kind of, I don't know if I'd be sober without it. You know, it, it's kind of what keeps me sober. It keeps, it's a reminder of what happens when I do drugs. It's a reminder of where I do not want to be. Um, I see the pain on their face and and that kind of helps me keep my sanity, just knowing that it's keeping me sober and hopefully um, we can get somebody off that path or prevent somebody from going down it. This is, it's disturbing. I mean, you know, when you see people like the story you just told us of a gentleman who was prescribed drugs just because of the pain and all of a sudden now that particular drug is, has belittled him so much to the point where he doesn't even have what he used to have. Um, your future, where do you see yourself now that you're off drugs, that you're on the path that you're on? What does your future look like now to you? Do you have one? For the first time in my life, I can actually see um, some sort of future. Uh, for me, uh, we just got the nonprofit up and going. So we're looking to start a program um, and try to get into some court systems in my state of Delaware. And uh, now that we're the nonprofit, we can do community service with people. So uh, people that are 
coming in with some sort of drug addiction related crime that they're you know, getting community service hours ordered. Um, we're going to them in and, and outreach with us part of their community service. And I'm trying to kind of launch that. Um, and then I'm, I'm really, I, I like thoroughly enjoy doing motivational speaking and interventions. That's my, like, that's my pride is what I love to do. And uh, so I kind of want to start an intervention company and then eventually just, I'm already doing it now, but to do it on a bigger scale, traveling and speaking more in universities. Uh, I really enjoy doing youth centers like boys and girls clubs, um, stuff like that, high schools, because they're not on drugs yet. Mm -hmm. And um, trying to get them to see it because I remember at that age, you know, smoking weed looks fun, drinking looks fun. And, and with the music today and talking about pills and it all looks really fun and really you don't know you cross that line until you cross it. You know? So mm -hmm. trying to prevent them from taking that path is, is kind of what I see myself doing. Mm. Now that you're on your own terms, how do you feel? <clears throat> free, completely free. Um, the same thing with the chain analogy. It's, you know, that's the, the best way I can think to describe it is, is just completely free. And, and uh, <clears throat> it's a lot when you, when you live like that for so long, it's, it's um, like I said, you're like living in hell, complete hell, misery. Um, you have this obsession going around in your head where the only thing that you can think about is getting another high. It's always the next one, the next one. And then when you get the next one, you're immediately worried about the next one. So it's just like a never ending game of getting another, another, whatever your drug of choice is. So, when that obsession went away, it was like, it was like I lost 500 pounds. I felt so light. Like it was the biggest weight off my shoulders that I could even imagine. So that'd be my answer is free. Yeah. You know, being that I have, I've been around drugs a little bit, but I don't have that experience. Mm -hmm. I really don't. If, if I were to be able to notice something like that happening to my friends, what should I do as a person looking from the outside in? the best thing to do is to try to come from a place of concern, right? Because I see sometimes when I'm doing interventions, I'll see um, somebody kind of come at their family member or friend kind of like mad, right? Mm. They'll come at them mad and be really good. It's, it's better to come from a place of like concern. Um, you know, I'm noticing some changes. And usually when somebody's going down that path, you will see changes. You'll see. Um, where they'll start to become disconnected, they'll start to become, they'll isolate, uh, maybe a little bit of anger, um, weight loss, uh, lack of like uh, hygiene as far as like haircut and um, things like that, not brushing their teeth, not cutting their fingernails. That's some of the common signs you'll see. And, uh, you know, the best thing to do is just come from a place of concern and, you know, we're noticing some changes. Um, it's difficult because the drugs now are just so strong. It's, you know, it's difficult The best. Uh, and also just reaching out to somebody, you know, calling um, an intervention company, calling, you know, if, if you're religious, you know, talking to somebody that nowadays I'm, almost everybody knows somebody on drugs or knows somebody with a family member on drugs. So trying to get some experience. And one other thing, if you have like 100% certainty that you have a loved one on drugs, like if, you know, you know, for a fact, um, and it's affecting your life as far as them living with you, stealing things, whatever the case may be. They have meetings around the country called, they're actually around the entire world. They're called Naranon, which is Narcotics 
um, Anonymous pretty much, which is like NA, but it's yeah. for the families. And then they also have Al-Anon and they are completely for the families and loved one of addicts and alcoholics. And they have some of the best advice in the world. I actually speak at a lot of their meetings. And um, uh, that's definitely, I recommend that to almost every parent or friend or family that asks me that. I always tell them to go to Noranon or Al-Anon. Mm. Mm. Now that you are doing what you're doing, you have your nonprofit, you have your life on the right track. Everything is moving forward. You have your up and coming different ventures. When you put all of this together, think about your past. Did you ever think you would be doing this today? Hmm. <clears throat> I remember thinking when I was getting high that uh, it was not on this level or not 100% sure of what exactly I wanted to do. I always knew I wanted to help people. Um, my mom used to take me to feed the homeless when I was a little kid. So I've always wanted to do something in this nature. Um, but I never thought that I would ever really amount to much because as a drug addict, when you go to rehab 50 times in your life, you kind of start to lose hope that getting sober is even possible. Um, mm. when, when you you know, you keep ending up in the same position and wondering how, why uh, there'd be times where I was literally crying on my way to get high because it was, I did not want to do it, but I could not stop myself from doing it. And uh, so I, I kind of thought that I would either be dead soon or um, I would be in jail soon or just completely miserable for the rest of my life. And so I, I really didn't see it happening. And then when I got sober, uh, I seen this like, this light like almost like a uh an endless amount of possibility became visible to me like okay now i don't have these chains holding me back i can do anything that i want to do and that's like one of the biggest messages i always try to spread is that it doesn't matter where you're at right now you can once you get out once you get off the drugs and change your mind uh you can do anything you want to do it doesn't matter what it is you know what i mean mm is there anything that I left out today that you'd like to say to our listeners? Um, yeah, the only thing I want to say is that, uh, you know, if I, I know how many people around this country are struggling from addiction. Uh, we lost 72,000 people last year to uh, addiction, which is an extremely high number. We're losing more people than um, gun crime and car accidents to addiction. And, I think the one thing I try to leave with most people is that if you are struggling with it or if you have somebody struggling with it, do not at any point lose hope. Um, hope is the last thing to go. Once all the materialistic things and the trust and everything is gone, hope is the last thing that people have when it comes to addiction. Um, and uh, I truly believe that and, and just keep trying. If you, if you mess up, go back. Uh, if you fall down, get back up. Do not stop because uh, it is literally a matter of life, life or death. Um, and, and the Facebook page I have is, uh, it's actually my name, which is Earl Van. And, and I think a lot of everybody spells my name E-A-R-L, but my name is spelled E-A-R-L-E and then Van, V as in Victor, A-N, uh, which is my Facebook page. And then we also have a Hope on Deck, which is H-O-P-E and then On and then Deck, D-E-C-K, which is the nonprofit page. Um, and then we do a lot of, we have, uh, mothers and fathers of addicts come on and tell their story every night. And we also have addicts in recovery come on every night and tell their story uh, just to try to spread as much hope as possible and, and a bunch of topics and uh, motivational stuff like that. So mm -hmm. that's about it. 
Wow. Earl, thank you so much. First of all, congratulations. Congratulations thank is in you. order. You have now a future. That must feel amazing. Something that now you have, you have your whole life ahead of you. And congratulations on that. And thank you for doing what you do and staying away from the drugs, but being, being an example of what it looks like to have a future. I appreciate that. We're definitely gonna go ahead and put this up on our Facebook page. Uh, we're gonna put this up as, as, on many places, as many places as we possibly can. If you guys know of anybody or have anybody, please don't forget to follow Earl's advice, get some help, don't lose hope. Earl, thank you so much again for being on the show. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. All right. I did, I did, I did, I did.